0: That's heritageradionetwork.org/15 to donate and enter to win today, and make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: This episode is brought to you by Tending to You. Tending to You provides mobile bartenders and waitstaff for private events in Louisiana and the Greater Houston area. Learn more at tendingtoyou.com. That's tending the number two and the letter U.com.
2: On this episode of Sold by Todd Richards, I am so happy to have one of my... Uh, I always have friends on here, it seems like, but this dude here, uh, we go way back. Uh, he has a nickname called Big Swole. He probably has the most massive arms you'll see in the show. Uh He comes out of New Jersey, which we won't hold against him, but he was uh, at La Porta and Blue in Tucker, Georgia, which makes him an Atlantean right now. And his resume is so impressive. Uh, he started... Um, As a Food Network TV personality, he's an ambassador, a brand ambassador for Nissan USA and Big Green Egg. And Big Green Egg, of course, is a big fan of mine. Uh, He is a cigar smoker and I know he has some really great tips on that as well. But he's made so many great appearances. Uh, Good Morning America, uh, Food Network, The Today Show, Steve Harvey Show, Hogmark Home and Family. HLN, and so many more. If I keep on talking about it, we won't have any time to have a conversation. So welcome my, my, one of my dearest friends, culinary brother. Um, and he's, uh, he's hobbling around on one foot. So I used to call him uh, Clutch, now call him Crutch because he broke his foot. You know, old men shouldn't be playing basketball anymore. That's the only <laughs> thing I should say, but please welcome uh, Chef David Rose to Soul By Todd Richards. Thank you for uh, coming on the show.
3: Thank you so much for having me, Chef. That was a a mouthful. Uh, First off, uh, New Jersey, number one in my book. I live, bleed, and die for New Jersey. Go New York Giants. And if I'm old, if I'm old... That means you
2: agent, bro. That's all well, well, I'm not I'm not. I'm not agent. I'm just. I'm just senior. That's you know. It's a difference. You know. There's so much semantics going on here, but I'm just senior. I'm not. Oh, I'm just senior. You know.
3: Okay. Uh, okay. All, all I'm gonna say is let me just borrow the AARP card. That you want to know a, all that's, well, that's a, all. We good. A,
2: a membership has its benefits, as they say. <laughs> yeah.
3: True story. True story. Thanks for having me, Chef. I appreciate
2: yeah. it, man. My my pleasure. So where, uh, I know you're from New Jersey, but where is your your family's heritage from?
3: Uh, my family, I'm one of eight kids and everybody except me was born in Jamaica. So I'm uh, the American born one. But my family is Jamaican, Jamaican roots from the land in which Bob Marley, jerk chicken and that green stuff comes from. <laughs> <All> right.
2: Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's funny um, because you can see it evidence in the way that you cook on the grill, that that jerk chicken that you're speaking about. But I, I had the pleasure of meeting, I think I met your dad, maybe, at the Big Green Egg uh, October for, or, or, or on a couple of years ago. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I, I met there. And I can tell that you know, food is just such a big part of your family. And I guess with eight other or seven other siblings, uh, what was it like growing up uh, cooking in, in that household?
3: Oh, man, I did more eating, less cooking growing up. Um, But it was awesome. man. it was kind of a thing where, you know, eight kids, you know, you kind of got to get in where you fit in. And, you know, it was a lot of food, a lot of great, you know, holidays, a lot of great barbecues. And I was always a big eater and infatuated with food. So mom would always kind of, you know, portion out our food for everybody. And some of my favorite things growing up were oxtails and curry goat. So like, you know, if my brother or sister weren't home and I'd see their plate in the microwave in the oven, I'd go and snag. An extra oxtail from every other guy's, you know, <laughs> plate, so I can have more oxtail. Don't tell them. Right. Well, yeah. you know, I've just always been a lover of food, and um, you know, I think my my appetite for cooking, you know, kind of, you know, grew the older I got in my teenagers, and when I came down here, because you know, they say the the way to a woman's heart is, you know, diamonds. I say good food. Right. And you know, I realized that at an early age. I was like, you know what? There's there's something to this. You know, there's something to this and just coming from the tri-state area, just a huge melting pot where I can recollect having friends, you know, from all over the world, you know, where I've had some of my earliest experiences eating some real extravagant food like foie gras pate, at, you know, at 10, gnocchi at 11, um, Korean pancakes at 12, um, having latkes and, you know, uh, matzo ball soup at 8, where I just come from such a, a, a huge you know, melting pot, which is the tri-state area. and I, I love it, man. I love it. Food is life, life is food. You know some people, you know, uh, they eat to live. I live to eat, man. and
1: <laughs> I know I've said so. it
3: before I'd say it again, you know, like food is love. and like to know somebody to truly know them, I think is tasting their food. and I like to you know. To let people taste a little bit of me every time I cook,
1: um,
3: you know. That's a, that's metaphorically whole, speaking, that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> but, but metaphorically anyway. speaking, but
2: um, did you stand by the stove um, when your parents were cooking, or or? You oh know, yeah, did,
3: no doubt.
2: Right. I mean, it seems like you know, just in understanding, you know, the way you're passionate about it, it, uh, it seemed like you were always observing. Uh, when someone was cooking as, as well, the way you're describing food. I don't believe that you can just get that sense uh, as a grown-up. I believe it has to be you know, ingrained in, in you as a kid. And it seemed like you probably stood by the stove a lot. And it, was it cast iron? You know, was it whatever pot you can find for those oxtails? What, what did your mom cook those oxtails in? Yeah,
3: cast iron, Dutch oven. She had this, you know, this big big old aluminum pad or a uh, pot. That was like, you know, the braising pot. She had her, you know, a little cast iron pan for frying fish, frying steak, you know, searing out the oxtail. And both my parents were chefs. Mom was a chef. Dad was a chef. Uh, career chefs. And mom was a chef at a nursing home. And dad was a chef at a villa for nuns. So, you know, when I was sick or get out of work earlier or a day off from school, you know, I'd always be there with them and just kind of see the operation, which is like, you know, 10 to 15 people coming together on the line and cooking, you know, hundreds of people, and just the 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 method to it, just the, uh, you know, the the love, the passion, the technique to it, you know, kind of like, you know, implanted a little seeding at a young age, and just from there, man, I just kind of, I just knew I love food, and I love <laughs> to cook, but I never thought in a million years that would lead me to where I am today, but, you know, I'm thankful, you know, because where I'm at is because of food and my love for food, so... I'm thankful and humble for the opportunities food has provided me. So you're a first generation
2: American, but you know, you're a second generation chef, which is uh, a story of its, of its own. Uh, and then you went to culinary school and and you don't hear a lot of people talking about culinary schools right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm one on the fence that I tell people before you go to culinary school, uh, you should probably uh, have some restaurant experience uh, before you commit to spending that type of money or or, or, or committing yourself to you know that three-year time period. What was your experience yep. in culinary school?
3: Uh, my culinary experience, man, it was awesome, man. Uh, I was the second, I believe, or third graduating class from Le Cordon Bleu here in Atlanta, Georgia. And um, I truly loved it, man, you know, where I already had the love for cooking. I already had the passion for cooking. I just think, you know, going to culinary school it helped me hone and sharpen and heighten those, those skills, heightened that knowledge and just, you know, kind of, you know, made me sharper. You know, as iron sharpens iron, you know, you make each other sharper um, and more true as a blade. So, you know, um, I moved to Atlanta back in 03 and I kind of came down in a win. on a not win. You know, I mm-hmm. came down in 03 when I was 21. And back then, you know, for the older folks in my age range and older, there was a little place called Justin's back then. Justin's for on right? Peachtree. And Justin's was, you know, that was the spot. It was a spot owned by Puff Daddy, Diddy. You might know him as Sean Combs. And my cousin, he was a bartender there. And I came down for my 21st birthday, and he knew everybody, all the club owners, all the bartenders, all the servers, all the businesses. (laughs) And we went everywhere. We went to Visions. We went to uh, Clubhouse. And I just fell in love with Atlanta. I packed my little Mustang up. It was February of 03. <laughs> I visited by June of 03, I came down and I was bartending, serving. I'm career hospitality. So I've been in hospitality um, since I was 13, 14. First job as a busboy, And I was trying to figure out my next move. And I, I saw a commercial that said Le Cordon Bleu, realize your culinary dreams. And something just kind of resonated. I was like, you know what? I love to cook. Let me check out the campus. So I checked the campus out and just from jump, um, I saw the curriculum, I saw the kitchens, I saw the courses provided, I saw what they're offering, and I knew that was it for me. And uh, you could ask anybody that knows me, family, friends, close relatives, um, the words David Rose Mm -hmm. and um, academic- <laughs> never going to hear those residents makes sense i ain't no fool but you know right. Right. No, those two words are going to be in the same sentence but for some reason when i enrolled in le cordon bleu i just you know it consumed me and i just threw myself wholeheartedly into it uh, because it didn't feel like school you know it didn't feel like school and these classes were going back then it was a class where it was 5 days a week 7:30 to 130. i was still working full time and getting like 3 hours of sleep um, but I loved it. It was great. I was just like a sponge where every day I looked forward to creating with my hands, learning, and I graduated at the top of my class, summa cum laude. And you know, I, I I really enjoyed it and was passionate about it. And you know, the saying it goes, you know, if you're passionate and love something so much, it never feels like work. And it did not feel like school to me. So I just knew from then. Uh, that it was for me. So it's not for everybody. I, I know some great chefs that didn't go to culinary school. I believe you didn't go and you're an amazing chef, Todd. And uh, yeah. you know, it's just, it works for some, it doesn't work for some, but I think for me, um, I got out of it what I put into it.
2: I, I think that's a great way to um, to tell someone the story. And the, and the reason why I want to ask that question about culinary school, is because uh, for me it's irresponsible to tell someone uh, one side of culinary school and i hope that you know some of the listeners are are contemplating going to culinary school and and they take you know or look at both sides of this coin that we're presenting yeah. and make the best thing. And you said it perfectly. What you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. You know, if you start with yeah. bad ingredients, you're going to get a bad soup, you know, no matter, exactly. no matter what, no matter what you do with it. I want to I want to switch up a little bit because and you were talking about Justin's and you were talking about Atlanta in 03, <laughs> you know, and, and I remember Solomon. Solomon used to run the whole place. No Solomon. Solomon yeah, he worked with me at, at the Four Seasons uh, Hotel for a very long time. Uh, yeah. See, I say I'm senior, not old, but I'm senior here. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you bring up an interesting point about um, ownership uh, or Black restaurant ownership we had here in 03 and comparing the landscape of, to where we see it right now. What do you think the current landscape of, of Black restaurant ownership and I would we'll put nightclubs in there uh, is like compared to that era of 03 when you first arrived.
3: Honestly, man, I think it was a much richer culture back then. Um, as far as like Atlanta as a whole, where you had the Justins, you had the Shark Bar, um, you had the, the Visions, you had like, you know, anywhere you kind of run up and down uh, the, um, where is it? the underground area. You know, you had West Side, like I think there was a lot more culture uh, as far as like, you know, from a, uh, just a, a general overall Atlanta experience where I think, you know, now there is more little pockets where it's kind of tucked away. Mm-hmm. And the other cultures and other restaurants, other chefs have moved in where these places where, you know, great black chefs or great black establishments used to be. They're no longer there in a the place, you know, maybe by like Starbucks. Or, you know, a bubble tea place or, you know, a sandwich spot, what have you. So to me, um, in the, what is it, 17 years I've been here, it's definitely been a shift in the culture. Um, it's still there, but it's more so, you know, you're kind of you're digging through the weeds to kind of find it. But when you find them, they're amazing. Uh, like you, yeah, Chef Deborah Vontrice, you have, you know, Chef Scott Leannis, you know, uh, great chefs here in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, but to me, I think there were more readily available back then. But now I think, you know, we're definitely getting now more uh, the, the accolades and more recognition um, now.
2: It seems to me that um, and it is great. It seems to me, though, that uh, there is a switch out of restaurants overall for a lot of up and coming uh, chefs in yeah. the city of Atlanta, more into catering. Uh, I would say uh, a lot of personal chef uh, television personality like yourself. And on the other side of the break, I really want to talk about uh, how you started into the television personality part and then really explore, you know, where uh, people can learn that skill set from and hopefully take on that part of culinary as well. So we're going to take a quick break here. You're listening to soul by Todd Richards.
1: This episode is brought to you by Tending to You. Tending to You provides mobile bartenders and waitstaff for private events in Louisiana and the greater Houston area. Their dedicated and capable team specializes in traditional sit-down dinner gatherings, past appetizer service, buffet-style meals, and bartending refreshing customized cocktails and beverages. They provide all their own tools needed for a pop-up bar, including drinkware, garnishes, napkins, and more to be set up for success. They also come equipped with trays, gloves, and cleaning products, which allows Tending to You to provide a superior level of service. Learn more at tendingtoyou.com. That's tending, the number two, and the letter U.com.
2: We're back with uh, great chef David Rose. Uh, here in Atlanta. And David and I um, previously were talking about the next evolution of chefs in Atlanta that have kind of moved away from traditional restaurant settings into uh, personal chefs, catering, online, uh, on camera, and social media personalities. And so David, where did this uh, charisma that you have on television come from? It seems like it's natural. Uh, it seems like you always had to fight for some spotlight w- among other seven siblings, but where did all this come from?
3: Man, um, I have a crazy family, crazy in a good way. We're like, I kid you not, literally, um, I'm one of eight. My mom is one of 13, Oh wow. my dad is one of nine. And then their kids have you know five, six kids and their kids have two, three kids. So the word "huge" from my, my family and upbringing" is an understatement, and literally, I kid you not, everybody in my family is a comedian. <laughs> and every time we get together, we roast each other, talking about jokes. Uh, my uncles, my aunts in their 60s, 70s, 80's, you know, still cracking jokes. very lively. So it's from the culture. I really think, you know, where Jamaicans, you know, just in general, you know. My family comes from dirt poor. Poverty stricken Jamaica, where my mom told me stories of you know sharing clothes and shoes, you know, four or five siblings in one bed, but yet they were still thankful, yet they were still humble, yet they still found joy and and happiness and positivity in life. And just that light that they all admit that you know they came to America by them coming to America, raising their kids, putting them through school, putting them through college, opportunities they didn't have they, those are success stories in themselves. So seeing that growing up, being around my siblings, being around my cousins, it's just contagious where, you know, it's just always a, a laugh factory, man. So growing up, <laughs> I just always been around that. And like, you know, if you don't have jokes, if you're not on, you're going to get roasted. So you always have to think on your toes. And it just, it just translates, man. Where like, you know, my father always told me, if you want something in life, Work hard and you know, you know, sooner or later it'll happen. So, my thing is like the same person you can attest to this, Todd. The same person you see on TV is the same crazy person you see in person. Absolutely, I would <laughs> say the there's, no difference. No, there's difference no difference. Absolutely, there's no difference. No,
2: no, <laughs> no difference, you know, none at all. I, I would say that you know, uh, watching on, on Food Network, uh, mm-hmm. which is a, a, a marvel uh, because of. of I wouldn't say that the Food Network has lack of diversity, it's just that uh, mm-hmm. they they pick and choose what segment of the population are, or they look at our food as mono, you know, just one way. And yeah. watching you cook on them, I saw you pull so many different um, uh, groups of food into your cuisine, but it still mm-hmm. seemed very rooted out of your, your heritage. Um, and yes. you say, yeah, you attribute that to, to living in New Jersey. Where is that diversity, that food diversity palette come from?
3: Um, man, it's just my love of food, man. Where, like, I've always been an adventurous eater. Where I've always tried anything. I've always ate anything. Um, except for chipmunks. I'll tell you mm-hmm. that story in a second. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, you know, food is just, I've always been a lover of food. And just having, you know, being exposed to so many friends of different races, ethnicities, uh, just since early childhood, you know, I've just ex- exposure through that. Where I've had friends that were Korean, Jewish, Armenian, um, Chinese. And uh, if they ask me, like, you know, if I want to try something, I've always just said yes. Except I've for always chitlins. Been a, except for chitlins. You know, I've always said yes. And I just think, you know, through that, that adventurous palate, that just kind of, you know, whatever I like, wherever I visit, whatever I taste, I just always try to, you know, kind of put that in my food. As, as well, as well, you know? But as, as far as chitlins, mm-hmm. that is the one thing <laughs> I will not try because um, uh, one time this girl invited me over for dinner and she said, you know, real cute girl, lovely girl. And she was like, my grandma's cooking tonight. Um, do you wanna come over? So I come over, I walk in the house and you know, I smell something like the septic tank is broken, you <laughs> right. know? So I walk in there and um, I'm like, yo, is everything okay? Is like the toilet broken? Like is the toilet get clogged up? Like what's going on? Mm-hmm. And she was like, no, you silly. Grandma's making chitlins. Um, it smelled like sh*t. <laughs> you know? And you know, I I went over. She's like, come check it out, baby. It looked like a pot of gray um potted meat, and I just couldn't get over the smell. And I'll try anything, Todd. So we sat down. I was pushing it around. I in the college I had the Mac, that was good, but I just couldn't get around the smell of chitlin. So ever since then, it's just kind of like you know, that red scarlet letter, you know, where I I can't do it. I, I can't do ha- it.
2: I have to get my sister to make you some. Uh she has a way of doing them, uh, which are delicious. I believe it's the amount wow. of onions. I believe her onion to chitlin ratio is probably the mm-hmm. best. But but another question that I really want to ask you in tying, you know, these two questions together. Is really, you know, with the appearance on on Food Network, and then now, you know, you representing so many different brands, Nissan and Big Green Egg. Uh, what opportunity has that given you, and and, and how do you uh, encourage people to also follow in your footsteps?
3: Uh, a lot of what I do, a lot of the driving force is, you know, I really think that as people. Um, as chefs, as any professional, it's a life in general, you know, it's your job, it's your responsibility to to take your parents' success and then level up your family and it's all about um, building generational wealth, not just through, you know, monetary gains, but through knowledge, through exposure and through opportunities and providing exposure and opportunities. So where what I'm doing, I'm doing for my my future children, their children, uh, but also, you know, The little, you know, uh, black boy, Hispanic boy, um, children of many minorities who are underrepresented to look at me and know that, you know, outside of sports, outside of music, outside of, you know, being a, a social media, Instagram superstar, there are tangible careers you can achieve and do amazing things with it as long as you do the work. And we spoke about this on Sunday, as far as people asking, how can you get on TV? How can you get on with this brand? How can you get down with this, you know, this network or that? Um, you got to put the work in, man. Like, you know, for a long time, I was slaving in, you know, the Four Seasons Kitchen, air Kitchen, catering, you know, making, you know, very little to no profit margin at first then slowly kind of getting my name up, getting good clients. Nothing comes overnight. And even with the TV thing, It still takes a lot of time. But like, you know, through the through the grace of God, through the grace of just, you know, having hard working Jamaican parents, I just never gave up on myself, them or my dreams. And you're going to get there. It's not a matter of if it's a matter of when. So if you could hold on, hold tight for that when it'll it'll be so much that worth it, so much worth it.
2: It seems like you know you have a measurement of success, though that could be different than what you know everyone thinks that chefs uh, should be. I, I would say for myself, uh, I have shifted out of necessarily you know, needing or fulfilling, you know, being in front of the camera, you know, I do it as part of what I do, but mine is the same as you talk, generational wealth, opening more restaurants, employing more people, um, you know, making sure that my family is well taken care of for generations. And that is a, a part of the way to do it. But it seems like what you're saying is, is that you can have a pathway to success in this field. And it does not necessarily mean that you have to have a physical restaurant or a catering company to do so, that there are many new avenues in culinary that they weren't before maybe 10, 15 years ago? 110%,
3: 110%. And there was no real mold or or blueprint or plan to exactly what I'm doing. It's just whatever I do, it's synergistic. It's organic to who I am, my likes, my pleasures and my passions where I've somehow managed to bring together Harley Davidson's, Mm-hmm. grilling, <laughs> <You're right. laughs> fitness, you know, uh, big trucks. And like, you know, I made it work, man. And just, I think whatever you do, the best advice to give to anybody is just being organic to who you are, man. Like, you know, really just truly just, you know, be true to who you are, follow your own path. Don't compromise. Because there's been a couple of times where I could have, you know, fast forwarded stuff by compromising, but I wanted to do what I did my way. That way, whenever I get to where I'm getting, whatever I've done to get there sits well with me and I'm happy and I'm prideful of how I got there. So just like be true to who you are, man. Like be be honest with yourself and just be yourself. You know, don't try to put up a facade or or, you know, convey yourself as how you think you might want to be seen. Like if you stay true to yourself and people can see that. And pick up on that sincerity and your delivery, your personality, who you are, the rest take care of itself.
2: I, I agree with you so much in that statement. So, what's next? What's next for Chef David Rose? I mean, what television show are you conquering? Are, are you making a new show? What can we look forward to seeing you on next?
3: Man, uh, I, I would love to tell you, Todd, but <laughs> contracts, right? And, and, and uh, you know, contracts as far as what I can and cannot talk about, but I will say, uh, that there is a huge announcement coming up with me and a uh, huge food home delivery service which will be okay. coming out shortly and uh, I will say T V shows there's something a couple different projects in the works. Uh so twenty twenty one will be the best year yet. I will say that.
2: So so just don't forget about us as little people out here, you know. Right. You know, don't 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 forget, you know, when you um when you get that Emmy Emmy Award uh, you know <laughs> You know, don't you know? We, we we will be more than happy to host your celebration party uh, in a, in Atlanta, <laughs> you bro.
3: Know, you big time, you big time, man. You're talking about, <laughs> bro. You big time, too, man. It's just, I think I could never be that person, though. It's just not in me because I I there's not a pretentious bone in my body, man. I just like to laugh and have a good time. And of course, you got to make money, you know. But I just want to have a laugh and have a good time, you know. If I can laugh and have a good time and build a brand and do something that's organic to who I am. I'm all about it. I'm all about
2: it. Uh, Tell the people where they can find you on social media, please.
3: Yes, you can find me at the website, chefdavidrose.com. You can find me on Instagram, chefdavidrose, Facebook, chefdavidrose, and uh, Twitter, which I rarely use. I'm trying to be better about that, Um, is davidrose at chefdavidrose. So type in chefdavidrose, and I should pop up. And if you type in just David Rose, I'll be second. First will be David Rose off his TV show, Shit's Creek on Netflix, which I love. But um, I'm battling him for that number one spot right now.
2: Well, well let me give you another interesting fact uh, about Googling your, uh, yourself, Chef David Rose. Yeah. If you put Chef David Rose, for some reason it says Chef David Rose net worth. And as curious as I am, I clicked <laughs> on it and it said, uh David. Chef David, sixty million dollars, and I was like, "Holy crap!" Oh! Lord have mercy.
3: Yes. Praise. I don't know. I don't know if that check is cleared to the wire come through yet, but I'm waiting on that check from
2: him. I'm waiting on it too because I, you know I had to get my cuts my, since I uh, discovered that for you. You know, so. Hey, that's I, worth one percent. I'll
3: give you one percent.
2: Hey, one. Hey, one, Hey, <laughs> hey, one. One percent of nothing is still nothing. You know, so. I appreciate your time. I know, I know that you are a very uh, busy person. You, you rushed home to, to get this uh, uh, podcast recorded. And of course, I always will see you in the stratosphere on social media, but it was so glad to see you so many times this month. And I hope to see you on a big green egg soon. And you've been listening to Soul by Todd Richards with my guest this week, Chef David Rose. sold by Todd Richards, is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio.